1: Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together and we're going to talk about a different film from the horror genre, from from your well-known classic down to that rare gem banging a co-ed on its kitchen table, the back <laughs> of your video store shelf. This week, Tim and I are going to talk about the 1980s slasher horror thriller, He Knows You're Alone. Tim... I feel like you're an expert on this. What is the scariest thing about getting married? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've had some experience with that. Uh, I was trying to find some way to pose this without signing. It's not like a jerk, but we're going to have some good. We're all in good fun here. Right, right. (laughs) The scariest thing about getting married,
0: um, you know, If you do it the traditional way, I would say that the scariest thing is just trying to make everybody happy, which is the biggest mistake that you can make. The best thing you can do, uh, one of my weddings was in uh, Las Vegas. And I think that that's where everyone should get married because (laughs) if somebody makes the effort, and this is for people that don't live in Las Vegas, our our listeners outside of Las Vegas. If people make it there, if they take the trip there, it means that they want to be there. It doesn't mean that people that didn't take the trip didn't want to be there. But exactly. if somebody goes to the effort to, to land at a destination wedding, it means that they're they're there. They're excited to be there. They're happy to be there. They're just happy to be a part of it. And then that is so much better than just being surrounded by too many chefs in the kitchen trying to tell you what to do and how things should be. I'm telling you, I not only from my personal experience, but also... Acolyting for weddings when when I used to go to church and, and was in a, a Lutheran school, when I worked for the floral industry, I'm telling you, I, I've been around a ton of weddings and you have never seen a couple fight more <laughs> and bicker about more bullshit than their wedding. So it's just, I think the scariest or worst part of it is just trying to make everybody else happy and yeah. then, and then getting through with it and then realizing like, God, did I even enjoy my own wedding? <laughs> like, like what, do, what did we even do? Like, um, I don't know. I, I think that weddings can be really fun. Yeah, and, I would uh, do mine way differently. If, if I had
1: another one, but I would pers- marry the same person. person. Yeah. No, I <laughs> doubt. I do not see myself marrying someone else again, <laughs> but if I, if we had some sort of re-wedding, yeah. my wife, Nancy, Yes, it'd be very different or if we had never married and we're getting married for the first time or however, or if you were the unlikely Utah. scenario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, married an additional person, you know, keep Nancy. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Hey, uh, I mean, I do like Nancy's in this the movie. We're going to talk about. I like Nancy a lot in that one, but we're not we're not jumping ahead there yet. I, I no. do want to say, uh, well, yes, you've had one traditional wedding and a Vegas wedding. I had a great time at both. So you, d- yeah. you put on a good wedding well they're they're yeah, they're good, and there's that's the thing like now that
0: i I actually officiate weddings or have for a few years now, like I always tell people like. Get involved. Like, what's what's a poem you like? What's a ceremony you like? What's a song you like? Like, you know, design this thing. It's kind of your chance to sort of design and put like a, a program, almost like a show together. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I get really excited. Weddings can be super fun. They can be super awesome. Um, I've done a little bit of everything. I mean, I've had people. They can be awful, too, man. Yes.
1: yeah. Not to disparage anyone's religion, but your hour 15 wedding. Catholic <laughs> wedding ceremony can jump off a cliff. (laughs) don't involve me in all of that have a separate private ceremony for your personal relationship with your Lord
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you know what the one I remember the last Catholic wedding that I went to you know aside from just being way too long in the rehearsal for it The priest was just really an unfriendly guy. And I remember I was sitting next to a a mutual friend of ours who was also raised Lutheran. And while we weren't really practicing anymore um, or really believers anymore, I was really put off by the fact that we would be denied um, communion. Because we're not Catholic. It's like, we've been taking communion our whole fucking lives <laughs> and you're not going to give it to us here. Like, yeah. I thought that was bullshit. And then the second thing was one of the, the like the little, I don't know, three year old ring bearer was just having a little fun. He's this cute little guy running around, you know, and we're kind of doing the, uh, the wedding rehearsal. And I literally like nobody else was paying attention, but I just happened to be focused on the priest. And I just saw him like look down and just say, get out of here. <laughs> to the kid and i'm like he's <laughs> like such, so creepy like i thought you guys were supposed to like those kids but yeah uh <laughs> like a little too much but um but uh but no he was he was mean
1: it was a long wedding nobody who does anyone like a catholic wedding everybody I, hates a catholic i wedding. mean i guess some catholics but they feel like they have to right they can't right. yeah yeah i know what you're saying they don't really deep down right no one's like that was too short
0: well, that, and, and you know, what's funny is out. it's like one one thing or the other. It's either the Catholic wedding, which is, you know, three hours long, or it's the, the weddings that I've done for folks that are not religious oriented. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm begging couples to pad it like you have to understand if you have a wedding without any other ceremony to it or a poem or a song or something like that. It's literally five minutes, yeah. it, it, eight minutes if you're stretching it. So, um, yeah, they go quick.
1: That was mine. It actually went on way longer than we wanted because they never told my father-in-law to like give Nancy away. So he almost did the whole ceremony while they were still standing together. (laughs) So ours was like twice as long as we wanted. And it was still 10 minutes. Sorry, everyone Not, who had you, to drive out to our ceremony.
0: But, but you made the good choice of having the wedding. at Like it was I, I want to say it was on a Friday at it like five o'clock and it was it was during like the work. So like it, nobody, myself included, like couldn't go because right. it was at, at five o'clock. We're all working.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, but
0: we all made the reception. Yeah. No, that was that's great. I you know what? I've done that a million times. and I'm telling you that's the best way to go to a wedding is just to be invited just to the reception and
1: just show up, have fun. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm down with that. Uh well, cool. Well, guess what? Weddings, big theme into uh this episode of He Knows You're Alone from 1980. It was written by Scott Parker, directed by Armand Mastroianni. Mastroianni. Ma- did- Mastroianni, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it stars Caitlin O'Heaney as Amy Don Scardino as Marvin and Elizabeth Kemp as Nancy. It had a little budget of 250 grand. It made 5 million. I'd say that's a hit. That's like yeah. 20 times. Uh, yeah. And uh, also uh, we should say, and we'll get to him, but it's the uh, silver screen debut of America's dad, Tom Hanks. Yeah. And and it's funny, um, you know. Which is why we, this is a listener suggested one. And I think that's why it was suggested. Uh, and I'm glad. I I kind of went into this one a little apprehensive, but I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, like, like we were saying earlier, um,
0: you see so many uh, slashers from the early 80s, and a lot of them kind of run together, and they're all pretty formulaic. So it's kind of nice to see a, a set of fresh faces. I mean, I've seen Slumber Party Massacre 1, the original, like, I don't know, 20 times. I could watch that movie over and over and over again. But I will admit, even though I don't necessarily like this movie more than slumber party massacre. It's
1: great to just see a new, new set of faces. Yeah. So it's funny you say that. Cause the killer in this was yeah. very Russ Thorne to me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe no, that's so, why you kind of liked it subconsciously. You're like just something about the killer. I just like him. Yeah. Well, I, you're right. The similarity is so
0: close that I'm like, God, are they, are they trying to right. make him look like him? But he's also sort of like, what's kind of funny. But about, what year did slumber party come out? Um that came out in 82. Yeah. So it's actually so were they
1: copying this? this? Well maybe. Could oh my be. god, all that peacock talk was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know what's so funny about both guys, though, is in that peacock thing included, is that like neither one of them are like overly frightening. Like
1: no, this is the I least was, intimidating. I was,
0: I was watching this movie uh the first time I watched it with a friend and um the first glimpse that we see of the killer in he knows you're alone um he's like he's got like a navy pea coat on and um you know he's dressed kind of nicely I guess like kind of kind of cool but he's just got this like disgruntled look on his face and he's not like a real tall guy or big guy and the person I was with is like he just looks like a scene kid just like looking down on like new music these days like just (laughs) judging you know just kind of like pissed off and disgruntled Um, (laughs) yeah there's nothing like overly menacing he's one of the most like forgettable Mm. killers like you no, it's because I know
1: he's got a name, but I don't remember what it is. It's Ray.
0: Ray. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame about Ray. But uh, <laughs> the thing, Jeez. the thing is, is that it's so weird because I've seen this movie twice, and it's not like this movie has Ray the character. It just has the killer. Right. It's, it's almost like you are watching a character more than you are like a specific person. Like, I know that guy's the killer. Um, but that's that's really it. There's really no connection to him otherwise.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, here, let's throw the sum out real quick yes. and then we can dive into this one. OK, here's yeah. an sum for um, he knows you're alone. Amy and Paul are getting married. I didn't look up the name Paul. I'm pretty sure it was Paul or is it Phil? Paul sounds good. OK, we're going to go to Paul. It really doesn't matter Amy and Paul are getting married While Paul goes off with his friends for a bachelor party Amy stays to get the finishing touches in order Little does she know She's being followed by a killer who preys on young brides And little does he know But he's being followed by a cop Who preys on bride killers Hopefully Amy can survive the weekend So she can marry Paul Who no one thinks is a good idea anyway I just looked it up It is is (laughs) Phil Damn it Damn it (laughs) <laughs> no but it could
0: go either way um yeah no it's uh, well, a well the movie doesn't want him to exist so fuck right it. right um yeah and i and more on that later um but yeah it's i'll tell you as a premise i like it because it makes logical sense like if if somebody had never heard of this movie you could kind of reel them in a little bit by saying Hey, like women are alone on the night before their wedding because it's bad luck to to see the groom before the wedding. So they're apparently, you know, because their groom isn't our groom to be is not around. Apparently, they're completely defenseless. Right. Um, but uh, but we're you know, we just kind of take that with a, a grain of salt. I mean, we just it's 1980 get in stride. They were pretty weak back True. then. <laughs> but it, but I do like that concept, though, because it does it gives you uh, like a level of believability. Like, OK, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the first thing that jumped out about this movie is kind of funny. It, it really doesn't have anything to do with the actual film itself. But how many titles of films do you know that have a complete sentence? <laughs> isn't, isn't that it? <laughs> I mean, like, and, and I, will, I will allow for the understood you like like. Um, like, you know what I mean by that? Like in grammar, where if yeah. I say close the door, it means you close the door. Right. right. So throw mama from the train could be one like sure. with the understood you. Sure. Um, Death becomes her, I guess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but there aren't a lot, though. There are like surprisingly few. Right. Um, But uh so that kind of jumped out at me like that's a nice full sentence. Um, and it also came out, interestingly, at the same time that uh, when A Stranger Calls. It's the most complete thing of this movie. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, right. It came out um, when, uh, when A Stranger Calls came out the exact same time. And there was actually a marquee in New York where the director, when he went to go see it, it actually read on the marquee, when A Stranger Calls, he knows you're alone. Um, like it actually, read, like an even fuller sentence. Um, because they both were exactly, you know, yeah. released at the same time. Um, but no, it's it's a
1: it's an which inter- can I also real yeah. quick uh, another thing I noticed uh, when a stranger calls, way more people alone in that movie than this one. <laughs> yeah, right. There is a lot of uh, public things going on, and he knows when you're alone. Right. He, he, knows you're alone or he
0: knows when you're alone and he's frustrated because you're never alone. You know, that's, that could be the full title.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. But no, it's um, I, I like the concept um, you have to, you have to take a few things with a grain of salt uh, in this movie because of, of how it came to be. What you've got here is, I'm going to go ahead and say pretty shameless ripoff of Halloween. It, it, It has a couple other movies that it emulates too, but this is, is clearly everybody admits this, that it was MGM seeing the outrageous success of Halloween, which was an independent film and made millions upon tens of millions of dollars. And so they said, okay, boom, we can do that. We can do something at a low budget. We can film it really quickly and we're going to be just as successful. Just give us a, a basically a clone of Ho- of Halloween. So they're going to make it down in Houston. And uh, the, the original executive producer that they had on the movie couldn't get the money for it. So they had to work with half the budget and in Staten Island <laughs> <laughs> instead of <laughs> Houston, which is unfortunate for the crew and actors because it was in December of 1979 that they filmed it in Staten Island and New York in December is not warm at all so this is the most heavily clothed movie that you will (laughs) ever see like (laughs) i mean it's scarfs and turtlenecks that look like they're going to that is not
1: really something that sunk in when i was watching but you are right like (laughs) there is not a not a stitch of unless they are in the shower no one is exposed at all yes yeah This it's layers. I mean, that, that could have
0: been an alternate title. Speaking of alternate titles uh, you had originally, it was blood wedding.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Then it went to shriek. Then it went to um, the uninvited, which actually became a movie title of another movie years and years later. Um, And then they thought that it uh, test. Is shriek
1: what they called the fake scream movie? No stab stab. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Uh, there is a movie called hide and go shriek,
0: mm. which is, we should cover that one. Stay tuned. Before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, yes, Tom Hanks uh, feature, you know, he, he auditioned, he, he was really kind of um intimidated because it was a lot of Broadway people that were sort of uh, associated with it. And he thought he was really hitting the big times Um, and uh, got into it and, and uh you know, was so likable, uh, like you mentioned this when we were talking earlier, so likable that they didn't even include his screen uh, his uh, uh, screen death, which is written into the script. But they're like, we like this guy. Like, we don't want to kill him on screen. You yeah. Know? And they should have had him in the movie more. I, I really think that I think he should have been cast in one of the lead roles. But the roles are a little goofy in this movie. And I want to go back to what we just said a few minutes ago, something that you kind of touched on. Do you feel like we even need to be introduced to the group of guys who are with either engaged to or dating the girls?
1: No, no, because I forgot they even existed. Right. Because we were halfway through the movie and because everyone keeps talking about how she shouldn't marry phil no one thinks she should marry phil there's not no. one person <laughs> stands for phil in this movie Including and i yourself. was like i was like i can't wait to meet phil like <laughs> what's wrong with phil and then there's a part where that he calls her later so and then i'm like oh right the, the guys and they went off because they make a comment about picking girls up right yeah um Maybe, maybe it's just me and how I remember uh, how I was when I was younger. That just kind of seemed like something that would happen. Like, yeah, you just like cheat on whomever during your bachelor party. (laughs) Like, that's the thing that happens. So like, I wouldn't have even considered that a bad guy move in 1980. Um, But, but then the only other time we see him is when he's removed himself from that and is calling her. So the only trait I see from him is him making a good gesture to call her and see how she's doing. Right.
0: <laughs> but it is a little jarring where it's like we get that introduction of the guys in the beginning um, before they go off on that bachelor weekend. And then, yeah, you're right. We literally don't see him except for that one phone call. And it just felt a little I either don't have the guys in it at all or maybe don't even have that phone call or something. It was just, it kind of felt like if you're going to introduce me to them in the first place that I figured that there should be more of them. The same problem also happens with the police in the movie, because this movie also tries to interject a little bit of what's called a police procedural, which is just a really boring ass name for a movie or a TV show that follows uh, like the investigation of a crime or something like that. Yeah. And it's okay that, that that element is in it. In fact, I read a an article that compared this movie to a giallo, which is giallo is an Italian genre. It means yellow in, in Italian. It uh, it's a, a genre of films that is kind of half mystery, half horror. Uh, that's where you get your directors like Dario Argento and uh, Mario Bava, and um, uh, a few others that that are are real kings of that genre it's got a lot of defining characteristics tons of bloodletting really bright unrealistic blood really interesting camera work lots of colors usually a, a a an unknown killer until the final act um but also mixed in with mystery elements and detective elements and and police work and that sort of thing and so mm-hmm. this movie kind of felt like giallo style <laughs> but it just uh it didn't quite fully take it through um to the end and there are just that's a running of-
1: theme in this movie didn't quite make it through yeah
0: like the the and there's nothing wrong with the guys that play the cops except for that one dude that looks like he's rotting in front of our very eyes you know who i'm talking about that one weird faced guy he's got like his hair is like a caesar cut on top but it's like really feathered on the side and he's got like a really weird pronounced british face yeah but it's like uh but he looks like a like a skeleton like he looks like a skin-covered well, I guess that's what everybody I was going to say, like skin, like skin on top of flesh and bone. <laughs> Without the muscle in between. Yeah, I get right. what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so they those kind of come in and out. You kind of wish that there was a little bit of a better balance between um, the investigation of the crime, which is kind of interesting. It gives us a little bit of a, t- a tethering to the backstory of this killer. Um, and you wish that that was a little bit more intermixed. But yeah. But yeah, what what I was gonna say though is that it, it goes back to the fact that because they had a reduced budget, because they made this film in literally like two weeks, uh, from beginning to end, from pen to paper to write it to final cut was four months, which is like a split second in in the movie world. Yeah. And uh so it's uh it's a little rushed in its its filmmaking, but I will say, just like you said, there were some elements of this movie that I really liked. Yeah. And
1: so so what parts of it did did you like? I mean, I I really liked the concept. I know it is easy to see this is just like you know, taking advantage of the popularity of Halloween. Um I I did like the idea of it being wedding focused because we still have that horror trope of a surrounding a day, but it's like a fluctuating day, right? It's not like Halloween where that's one day of the year. Like anyone can be having a wedding at any time. Um, Yeah. I liked, there was the, you know um, we'd got the cops, like there's a cop who has a personal investment in, in this case, and they never really cross over until the very end. So you're almost getting two stories of people dealing with this one one killer. Um, I liked a lot of the characters, um, as tropey as they were they weren't they weren't terrible. However, with everything I liked about this movie, every single part just was missing. Something and it was all kind of missing different things, but just for whatever would have made that one part really great, just wasn't there. Or like a connection between the character. I just felt this movie was really awkward. It was the best word I could come up with. Mm -hmm. Like just the, the, the motivations are kind of there, but then the, the, the actions surrounding them are, are inconsistent or, You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No,
0: no, no. I I know exactly what you're saying. Um, What I one thing and I really like a point that you just made about um, Halloween being like a set date, like a specific time. One thing that is so great about the film Halloween is that no matter because it takes place on or right around Halloween, no matter which way you turn, there is the feeling of a horror movie, even when they're it's just a babysitting scene and the kids are watching a, a scary movie on TV, there's something always reminding you that this is a horror movie. Somebody could walk into the room during you watching He Knows You're Alone and sit down for 10 minutes and still never know that this is a horror movie. Like right. it, it could literally happen. Like when, uh, when, uh, uh, Amy's in the uh, the ice cream shop with her ex boyfriend. Uh, character's name is Marvin, who still very much wants to be uh, Amy uh, with Amy, and very much like you said, one of the populists that that does not want her to marry Phil, <laughs> uh, probably more than anyone. And that that scene is so long, unnecessarily long, that it's like I forget that I'm even watching a horror movie. Yeah, and I'm not saying it has to be stab fest nonstop but um the, the the tension really drops out in in some certain points here
1: and then, yeah you mentioned as you mentioned melvin marvin marvin um he yeah he's a character who comes in and that's kind of the relationship we see as those two they've had a past but it really seems like he's popping into her life for the first time after a long time in this but yeah they are so and this is another one of those things where it's like it's just a little off because they are so familiar with each other. And he is so invasive of her privacy. Like she's in a changing room at the bridal shower and he just pops his head in. He fucking just like, yeah, even in whatever uh, fantasy world you dreamed up, that's not okay to do no matter what kind of relationship you have. I don't even know if I'd be comfortable doing that to my wife. She wouldn't be comfortable with me doing it like you're it, vulnerable it, in there It's, it's weird. an interesting scene you know what what i what I
0: really felt like that was uh uh kind of a nod to it was very similar to the uh Juliet balcony scene in Romeo and Juliet because he's kind of saying like can I see you tomorrow what time yes. you know it really there was a lot of similarity there It was kind of interesting um but uh but you're right it does even if they dated which were Given to understand that they had a relationship prior, they and were, were close to
1: getting married. Like that's his regret is not yeah. marrying. And then her. he
0: went away for a summer. She fell in love with Phil, and then then they broke up. So, yeah, he still very much wants to be with her. But you're right, he's kind of just around all the time, and yeah, it's it's he a just comes off. into her home, yeah.
1: Visits her all the time. I would get it if they hung out all the time. Yeah. But if you just ran into your ex on the, on the street and then they walked into your house, you'd be like, you're crazy. You are the right where that's why we broke up. You're insane. Right. But then again,
0: they say they make that point about him saying that he brings her a fish every time he visits and there's eight thousand goldfish in that fish tank. Oh, I missed that line. Yeah. that. Yeah. He <laughs> says, um, I, I'm going to bring you a fish every time I visit you. And you know how many goldfish are there's in that a goddamn lot. tank. There's a yeah. ton. They're, they're hanging out all the time, actually. But that's what's odd. It's. Okay. It, because again it, inconsistent it's weird yeah it is weird the one thing but like i said there are some interesting things about this movie um the opening scene is is really pretty cool um mm-hmm. it's well i should say the opening opening scene is is a direct ripoff of halloween but then when we go into this scene in a movie theater which is a very cool movie theater um is in stanton island so it's got to be somewhere over there and um it's these two uh, girls, young women uh, watching a horror movie. And what's interesting about this is that it, it, actually they didn't, you know, kind of turning the tables here. Uh, Wes Craven sort of ripped this off yeah. in Scream 2 yeah. uh, by having a murder within a movie theater while a horror film is playing. Yeah. So that's kind of cool that they sort of. Which
1: I read this was the director was trying to pitch this and he was pitching the. Because the opening scene is the classic urban legend, the the guy with the hook and the couples in the car, and they hear the scratching on the car. Oh, you're right. That is the very first one. Yeah. Yeah. And which then that is a movie they're watching, which then opens up into our real life murder in our, in this movie that we are watching. Right. But I heard that he was kind of pitching that idea and they were just losing interest. And he's like, but that's a movie within this other movie that is now, this is the real one. And that's how we got this movie. So he wanted to make the hook hand movie. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, it's funny, a couple of things about that, that segment. So, you know, they actually are filming, um, you know, they, Obviously they had to film the movie within a movie in order to have something up on the screen to some really bad like green screen effects there oh that's so kind weird of, it's kind
1: of almost adorable cuz it's so bad because they they do film in a theater like yeah, yeah. But then when they showed you yeah, when they projected onto yeah, the screen. Yeah, when they do the shot of where the screens behind her, obvious screens, like the one of the worst green screens I'd ever seen. Yeah.
0: But in this this quote unquote movie that the that the two girls are watching while they're in the movie theater. It's it features an actor that was a guy that we liked in Chopping Mall. So I noticed that. I also noticed how cold these poor actors must be. You could (laughs) see their breath when they're outside because it is probably they're filming at night. It's probably 30 degrees. I actually looked up the average temperature of Staten Island in December and it's 30. It's a low of 30. So it's they're freezing out the girls in a skirt. (laughs) One thing in that movie within a movie, that little segment there not to dwell on it, but she recalls out to her boyfriend whose name is don Uh i've got it written down here she says don eight times in two (laughs) minutes and i found myself like samuel l jackson like say don one more goddamn time you know like i was just (laughs) i just couldn't like dare dare you i doubled (laughs) that say don again um but yeah, I I, uh, I, 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 you know, was distracted by that, but I thought it was kind of funny at the same <laughs> time. Hilarious. But the other thing is, is that when we get the actual kill in the movie theater, <laughs> the knife that the guy uses, he goes through the theater seat case because he's, he's yeah, killing he her sits from behind the back. her. Yeah, yeah, he's sitting behind her. He stabs through it, and he. It's such a a little incision that it almost looks like it might've felt good. Like I want somebody to do that to me. It's a a tiny
1: blade too. And (laughs) for it to make it through the wood of the seat (laughs) right? and the seat itself. And she like dies instantly. Yes. You don't (laughs) die in eight (laughs) seconds from a a tiny little scratch (laughs) on your back. Yeah. Honestly, he doesn't even do anything where he like, can hold her and really force it in. Like, so she instinctively like pulls away from it too. I'm sure. So yeah, honestly, it almost looks like it feels good. Like it's that minor. I think that's a cool idea in a scene where you kill someone at the kill in the movie. That's great. They just missed all these little marks yeah it's the execution where and it also he knows thing. you're alone and it, the first kill is in a very public space <laughs> yeah right yeah that's true um he knows you're alone but that's not when he'll be showing up right and we do get uh, we
0: do get introduced to the cops at that point um you'll see a familiar face there paul gleason uh mm-hmm. who played the principal in breakfast club and um and the other, you know, the other cop, the one who who has sort of a connection to the case. He looked familiar, but I couldn't place him.
1: Yeah, I didn't know who that was either. I think he was on I don't know. He didn't look familiar to me. Yeah, he wasn't but I do- bad.
0: Yeah, no, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Um, and I really I like how people look in this movie. Um, like I said, filmed in 79, released in 80. Um, so it was before you get all that nasty 80s feathered hair. Like these girls <laughs> all have like straight, mm-hmm. you know, like natural looking hair. Everybody looks cool. Very kind of 70s, uh, early 80s uh, dress. Uh, like everybody's got like these great sweaters on. And
1: yeah, and yeah it's just, it looks cool. Like, wait, this, did you get let me ask you this real quick. Yeah. Did you get that the cop um, was because we see a flashback of the first time our killer uh-huh. kills a bride and it's implied that it's like his ex and he's at her wedding and he kills her. Did you understand that the person she was supposed to be marrying was the detective? Not in the scene i didn't when she's killed no but okay what I did, do they make a reference to that because i must have missed it because yeah. i didn't rec- i didn't realize that until after i was reading about it afterwards yeah other th- other than i just okay. thought maybe he was on that case and the guy got
0: away and that's why he was so yes that was my f- that was my first impression that he worked the case and that it was a cold case, but it still haunted him to that day. That's kind of what I felt. I did you're right. That was my first impression. And then I kind of put it together that oh, he was the groom to be because Paul Gleason tells us that later on, like three quarters through the movie, we finally sort of like hear that spoken. Oh, yeah.
1: He tells that. He's to telling the, other the, cop. the
0: flesh guy. Yeah. He's telling him like um that groom was whatever detective. Oh, okay, right. Yeah.
1: Which Another thing where I'm like, they just didn't go the right way with it. Then that doesn't make our killer a guy who just targets brides. It's that was a very personal killing. He killed his ex-girlfriend. It wasn't right. It wasn't like he goes after brides. He went after his ex. And then the only other killing we know about is the one that just happens. Yeah. The one in the movie theater. So how you make that fucking connection. Yeah.
0: If I eat like Indian food one time, it doesn't mean that I am fucking obsessed with curry dishes. You know, like I just hadn't tried it one time. Um, But yeah, he you're right. He kills one bride, but fucking gets labeled for the rest of it. He gets typecast as the bride killer. (laughs) Right. Um, But, uh, But yeah, but we quickly see. Here here's kind of another fun thing about this movie. Lots of these familiar faces just popping up left and right. I was overjoyed to see the cops questioning somebody that was in the movie theater played by Steve James of American Ninja one and two fame.
1: Oh, the, the the African couple, man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They're cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Steve James. That guy fucking rules. I I love the American Ninja movies. So that was, that was a real treat for me. Wow. I didn't realize um, that, but That's yeah, been the, a while since I've seen those, <laughs> the, um, but the Halloween, uh, the borrowings from Halloween, are, are start early and often. There's that one scene, my God, where Amy's walking down the street, you know, down the sidewalk and you're yes. like, my God, just <laughs> make it obvious to everyone. She don't.
1: looks out her window and he's standing there right. in the yard
0: and the music holy god what did they change like a note (laughs) like i mean you just put a rest in somewhere and like exactly the same but you know what though everybody loves halloween so even when it's watered down it's still kind of fun to watch you know it worked for a reason right um but
1: uh Uh, the three friends or their her two friends there's a scene at the beginning where they're in a ballet class and um i don't know if they'd I didn't understand. They like, It seemed like they had never been in that class before. Right. And were just frustrated at being in it. Like, just do it if you want to do it. Unless that was, I don't think that was part of their college curriculum. No. So you're so it, angry about being in ballet class as a 20 year old. Don't go to ballet class.
0: Yeah. It kind of felt like they were doing it like, like uh, when somebody decides to like pick up a hobby, you know, that's, that's <laughs> right. what it felt like they were trying it out. Yeah. But um, like but yeah. one of them dragged their two friends to yoga. Like, yeah, you gotta try this. <laughs> right. And the funny thing about those friends is that I, I didn't dislike Amy, but I liked her friends a lot more. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I, here we are supposed to be invested in our lead and I'm telling you, it's, it's critical it's really, really critical in a, in a, a formulaic slasher that you got to at least have a final girl that people connect to or are attracted to, or, you know, is compelling in some way. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with this final girl, Amy, but there's nothing really right with her either.
1: Right. Yeah, no, she's very uh, just kind of a tepid, formulaic character
0: kind of looks kind of has that margot kidder thin face thing early 80s thin
1: face lady (laughs) like you know i mean it's just a type it's just a type yeah um and i don't uh, like i don't want her to die but i don't care if she ever gets married yeah like i don't care if she gets back together with marvin or
0: right right and then uh what's what's really cool is just right after that uh that dance class scene here comes yet another familiar face that mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't even, cause he's been in so many movies. Yeah. I just literally looked at the screen and said, is that that fucking guy? And it was that fucking yeah, guy. This movie's a who's
1: who, who's that? Right. <laughs> right. And still, yeah, really I knew him it. as the guy who like, my go-to brain was like, he's the guy who uh, interviews Michael Douglas in the game. Like, he's the one who like does his initial game interview.
0: Is he in some of the Born movies? He seems like he'd be in a Born movie.
1: Uh, probably. I mean, I'm looking at his thing. He's been in you know over a hundred films and TV shows. So, yeah. Tall. Well, and he passed away. I didn't know that. Oh. Tall guy I mean I, here we are describing the guy trust me anybody who's listening to this you've seen James this guy. James Rebhorn is his name yeah uh, but yeah he's just been in everything but yeah, everyone would know him as a, the guy with short gray hair but in this he's got kind of shaggy blondish darkish hair so it's, it is it's only the face right
0: and um and so, yeah, another familiar face. Um, there, there isn't a, a ton of super creative camerawork or filmmaking in this movie. But coming up pretty quickly after that, there's a scene where um, Amy is, of course, now being followed by uh, our killer Ray. And there's a really, I did enjoy that little. Real quick scene where she's looking at a TV in a, uh, a store window and seeing herself, you know, there's the camera facing outside. So she gets to see herself yeah. on the TV set. And then when she moves away, the killer is right there. I, I thought I, now it's a little weird that she didn't sense a guy standing six feet <laughs> right. behind her, but, uh, but it was a nice little effect there. I, I thought that was cool. Yeah. How did, how did he know she was getting married? Oh boy. Um, Oh, man,
1: that's a good question. Because there's no personal connection between them. It's the other weird thing. Like, our killer really has no, not that, like, Jason Voorhees ever really hunted down anyone in his family. But, you know, it's just, it was very random. But it's never explained, like, oh, he works at this bridal shop and is able to do that. You know, there's no Dollar hide Red Dragon thing where it's like, oh because of this, he's able to know who's getting married it's unless old, he just happened to overhear her talking about her wedding next yeah, weekend. And it, it was, just went bing like a spring goes loose or something. It
0: was, it was that he just happened to be, which why <laughs> nobody thought this was weird is strange. Yeah.
1: It's why he looks kind of, like he's going out for a walk. Cause that's yeah, what he was doing.
0: He's just standing there in the scene in the beginning when they're, when the guys are getting ready to go on their trip. And the girls are talking about, you know, they'll probably do this and that at their bachelor party. And he's standing there that Ray is, you know. Um, But other than that, like he just happened along and happened to hear about somebody getting married. Like that's that's incredibly good luck if you're a bridal killer. Yeah. (laughs) Like I would look at the newspaper for engagement announcements.
1: Another inconsistency. I know I said, you know, where this guy's getting pigeonholed as a bride killer. Now, what about all the other because he kills a lot of other people for no reason who aren't brides. Yes. So will that cop then argue like, I guarantee you, he did not kill those people. They are not brides. <laughs> right. Like yeah. He's like, I'll be your defense lawyer and try in, in court <laughs> if you need me, because I know you didn't kill her friends and and her professor. You only kill brides. I know this. And
0: how does he even know to go to the professors? I mean, unless like, he's why, just watching.
1: I mean, because but, I why, guess but he's watching Amy all the time. Yeah, yeah. Why does he go and let like if they're in Amy's house, fine. But yeah, yeah he if just he's got goes to the professor's house for whatever reason and kills those two ancillary characters for no other reason than to just have two other people die.
0: And boy, does that scene go on too long because Forever. we've got this professor character. We've got the, uh, the friend Joyce and she, it's just kind of like widely accepted and embraced by her friends that she's going to fuck her <laughs> professor to get a good grade. <laughs> and everybody's <laughs> even like supportive, like hugging her before she leaves the like, bridal shower. Like right. good luck fucking your <laughs> professor. Right. And, um, so, you know, but they play a game of cat and mouse and trust me, I, The funny thing is that there are girls like this. I mean, there are women that just really like a lot of just goofing around ahead of time.
1: Listen, uh, I'm going to say this as a a man who didn't know how to handle himself around women like some. I would be the one like, let's just play around games more before I have to actually like get serious (laughs) here. Right. So I, I understood it, but. If I were a 20 something woman, I think I would play it very differently. Yeah, right. I right. did. I connected a little
0: bit with Joyce, though. <laughs> also, when her one part that I hope you didn't connect with her on is the cleanliness of the bottom of her feet when she jumps into that white <laughs> like linen bed because they are
1: fucked. Don't
0: get me wrong. It's an old house, you know, and there she's probably rehearsed the scene like three times before they filmed it. But yeah, some black
1: ass feet that when she jumps up there, just a quick little notice there is a scene where she's she's threatening to jump out the window because she is still playing around and they he ends up pulling her the professor ends up pulling her back in the window just as our killers like taking a swipe at her and it's like were you going to kill her right then as someone else was standing there right you seem to have been pretty careful like that's just a, for the audience, like, whoa, close call. Yeah. And I did. I was getting to... connected. Oh, it's all over.
0: Yeah. And I'll admit it. I did kind of go, ooh, like get that scene, like because it was a real close call. Yeah. But but here, oh, man, it's just it's so weird because we've been like watching these two play grab ass and run around the house for what seems like forever. And then when we finally do get the Joyce kill, it's like nothing. She's just already dead. And yeah,
1: she dies off screen. And then we he kills the professor. Right. For whatever reason. Yeah. And
0: ha- really hacks away with that dude, like are at that dude, like several times. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, cause you're right. There are some killings where it's like, oh man, like
1: there's little, no, there's no blood in this movie. Yeah. Like, there's not, none. there's nothing. All the kills are off screen. You get blood from people go, like looking at their hand because they've just touched the dead person. That's the most blood you get in this movie. Yeah.
0: And then there's that kind of strange scene where Amy goes, to talk with her priest or pastor about um like being a little unsure about getting married and stuff like that. And that's kind of a strange scene.
1: Although I will say. Which what's strange about it Were they fake like the stigmata happening. <laughs> well, that's one part. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I will say though, it's kind of, it, it, it did bring me back just on a personal level. My mom, when I was a little kid used to, um, uh, work as like a part-time janitor for for our church, and so she would go in on weekends and clean and stuff. So I would go with her because I was too little to be at home by myself. So I, while she's cleaning, I could just run around the church and do whatever I wanted to do. And I would go into the actual, not just the the like offices or or classrooms, but I would go into the church itself, into the actual chapel area, and just stare at the crucifix for just long periods of time because it's a pretty fascinating icon for uh, like a four-year-old you know to look at and um yeah i'm just i've always been really interested in that symbolism it's it's a really interesting choice
1: because in this i guess stigmata is not right stigmata is when you get the marks on yourself but she's yeah she's looking at the statue of christ and it's literally dripping blood off of it and you know then she hears the organ go off and she turns and looks and there's nothing there I will say I give him credit for how they explain it because he's like, Yeah, my cat jumped on it. Cause you're like, there's no way a human made that noise. Cause she immediately right. looks and they immediately show it. Like, yeah. know, even with a suspension of disbelief. But then well, he's just he seems very chill about the rusty water that's he's just like, yeah, this is shitty water yeah. <laughs> flowing down this giant statue of my Lord and Savior. Yeah.
0: Sometimes when I don't even want to have to go all the way to the bathroom, I'll just piss right up here on the altar. Like, you know, it's, just, it's all garbage. Around, you know,
1: I'll be. yeah. The the, the the priest gave me some real bad vibes. He just seemed super yeah. creepy with no <laughs> real reason to be creepy. No, other than he's in a horror movie.
0: Yeah. And maybe it was just because the actor is like, why does this scene even in the movie? But I mean, I will say I do like the interior of a church as, um, a setting, like I mean, you got candles, you've got helpful. like iconography, you've got stained glass windows, like it's it's a neat little setting, but it's a strange choice of scene to insert when you could have a lot more killing or action in your movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yes. Um, but uh but I wanna I wanna
1: talk about um Oh wait, I you... did forget going back oh, no, to our right. first kill, I just saw this in my notes. They the cops did say uh, he severed the spinal cord into the heart. Oh, really? That's how she died. Yeah. To sp- okay. So he pushed her spinal cord into her heart. Well, when he stabbed her, he both severed her spinal cord and then got that knife into her heart. Well, I, I know that this
0: is a work of fiction, but I'm going to tell you that didn't happen. No, no
1: <laughs> that it didn't. It totally did not happen. The very specific angle that's got to happen. Right. But this guy's not adverse to trying to there's a scene where he's literally trying to stab repeatedly the windshield of a car. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, you know he's not when, he's
0: not one to give up. When you just focus on killing brides, it's such a niche market, you don't get a lot of practice. You know, he's just <laughs> working this shit out as he goes along, you know. Um But but I will say another another I keep throwing these out, but that's just because there's so many Um, the Amy's younger sister. uh, I didn't write down the actress's name. Uh, I recognized her. She had such a recognizable Dana Barron is her name. There it is. And she actually played the role of Nikki. Who is uh, Brandon's girlfriend on Nine Hundred Two and for like a season or yeah. half a season?
1: So, or th- for the even older listeners, she's uh, Audrey from National Lampoon's Vacation. Yes, which is what yeah. this was—the age she was. Because I saw her and I was like, "Oh my God, is that um, uh, from The Exorcist?" Uh, uh, Blair? Linda Blair, Linda Blair, Linda mm-hmm. Blair. I was like, "Oh my God, is that Linda Blair?" They
0: look very similar. Yeah, there's kind of yeah some similarities there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so finally, you know, here we are talking about all these, you know, every actor under the sun and yet to bring up Tom Hanks yet, but that's because he doesn't (laughs) pop into the movie for goddamn near almost an
1: hour. Yeah. And Um, again, in the most awkward way that isn't resolved the way they set it up. Cause Nancy, Nancy mentions that she's been seeing this guy jogging and how cute he is. At that point, you're like, that has to be Tom Hanks. Because, yeah, I kept waiting I'm at every background actor. I'm like, is that Tom Hanks? Am I forgetting what Tom Hanks looked like when he was young? So then, yes, yeah, so you finally see him jogging. And, and Amy's like, well, go get him. She's like, OK. So you're like, oh, Amy's going to go get him. Then the next shot we see is Amy jogging. Tom Hanks is like sitting down on the edge of the trail and he trips her. Right. To get her attention. Like, yeah, what the fuck was her plan? <laughs> <laughs> right. To run past him. Like if he didn't trip her. Yeah. Because she doesn't even fucking acknowledge him when she's approaching.
0: Yeah, she's got a real unique uh plan there. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know what she thought was gonna happen. Like maybe she was just gonna run past and he was gonna
1: but got her, her, I great. Guess? They like, got a great meet cute. They're a very cute couple.
0: Yeah, and Hanks's was, screenness, his his relatability, his energy, his watchability—it's. It, I was wondering if he was going to seem awkward on screen, uh, because it was his first role. But God damn, if it isn't evident right from the very get-go, like yeah. he really is. You're like, no wonder he became a star.
1: Yeah, like well, and as you even mentioned earlier, the the director, you know, wh- whoever made the call. He was supposed to die with Nancy, and they were just like, I just like him too much. I can't I can't kill Tom <laughs> Hanks. Right. I don't know what it is. I got a weird feeling. And it's yeah. the only right call they made. Like, don't kill Tom Hanks. Or no. Unless it is the cornerstone of your movie is Tom Hanks dying. You don't kill Tom Hanks. No, you don't. Um, and it and it leads us, it's not too long
0: before we get to Can we go ahead and talk about what is my favorite scene in the
1: movie? Yeah, well, I I, I do. I do want to say because it's weird that these two were paired up because so Nancy's played by this woman, Elizabeth Kemp, who I looked up uh, because I was like, what else was she in? Because she's good in this movie. Yeah. Um, And turns out she didn't do a lot, but she like became an acting coach and was like very well regarded amongst she died uh in 2017 i think and like hugh jackman and lady gaga like made statements about how great she was and like she was just like an she she uh studied under um uh lee um lee strasberg strasberg thank you her mentor was ellian kazan like just like huge names, yeah. in the yeah in in the industry just this background figure you never hear about but had a huge impact on so many people so it's crazy that her and tom hanks were (laughs) this movie cup like fucking power couple that no one knows about and you're right she is really great in the movies
0: like she gives a nice understated performance like she comes off as is very genuine
1: yeah Um, because joyce is like obnoxiously college like yeah yeah obnoxiously college but yeah for for nancy i was like for a while i thought she was like the mother of of the little girl i'm like is she like 35 right <laughs> she just seems way more mature than any of them
0: and she's pretty in kind of an unconventional way like not like a you know gal gadot like i mean just knock your socks off but she's kind, she's attractive in her mm-hmm. own way and uh and also gives us our first and only round of nudity in this movie yes um, she she has a a shower scene which i'm not really sure why it was in there but i'm not complaining <laughs> no nope. um and uh then we go into to what is my favorite scene it's kind of like the beginning of my favorite scene we get the shower we get some nudity then she decides to go down to the living room and put on a record and get a little high you know just lights a joint and uh, has her headphones? Those big giant, you know, seventies,
1: eighties headphones. And it was we the record get... player? I never understood the point of the record player, where you'd put the record in, and then it would sharply drop. Like, yeah, what was the point of that? That's a function that was built into yes. that. I don't understand the point of
0: it. Yeah, you put the record on, and then you slide that like stabilizer thing over. It kind of holds it steady, and then it just drops onto the uh, onto the turntable. Yeah, right. it is a little weird. <laughs> Like, why wouldn't you just put it on there? Right. Then, they,
1: yeah, someone was like, guys, guess what I found out? We can make that pin, instead of making it three and a half inches, we can make it like <laughs> a half inch. You just put the record on it. It's crazy. Right. Now, I do
0: know that there, I mean, there, it used to be that people would put multiple records, multiple LPs onto the needle.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that would explain. And how that sometimes works,
0: it would, I think it would did it have a feature where it could lift up? There were and, some
1: that flipped that were yeah. self flipping. Yeah.
0: Um, but she puts on this song and I, I researched the hell out of the <laughs> song. Cause I loved it so much. It's just like a slow, but kind of funky groove, like a real polite, funky groove kind of reminded me of maybe some like super duper early prints, like really early Prince ballads before way before purple rain, all that stuff. It was, it's, um, just kind of a nice little seventies ballad called, um, I believe that the actual title is finally it's the night, but it's referred to as it's the night again. And um, it's like impossible to find this thing. Just about the only reference you can find is the scene from the movie itself. Right. Um, and then there's one other video on YouTube that just has a picture of black and white picture of two brothers. And the song is set to that. It's kind of, <laughs> odd. but, um, but it's this really like, groovy song you can't you know help but just move a little bit to it oh and she's getting high she's laying down she's got her little beanbag chair and she kind of detects that something is is going on she takes off her headphones they do some nice work with the sound where you know the sound of of the record without the headphones sounds different than when she puts them on Mm -hmm. they do a nice job of handling that and um then finally there's a, a lyric in the song um Oh, gosh, I can't remember it. But it's it's a perfect line for for the killer to enter into the room. Um, Something like uh, I come again or I I come to you, something like that. And then we see the killer kind of enter the frame. So here's where I'm like, yeah, they've crafted this scene really nice and um and this song just keeps getting better and better yeah and he's he approaches her i wish they would have filmed it differently but eventually it's this great juxtaposition of this really sweet love ballad and then him eventually slicing her throat later we find out that he decapitated her and put her head in the fish tank um but the scene setup was really cool and it made me think about something and I want to touch on this because I think it's a really interesting topic as I'm watching this scene. I like the song. I like the approach and it made me question the idea of, is it right or wrong to think that some of these scenes in horror movies are cool. And, and I, and I mean that in the, in the truest essence of it, like somebody might say, you're talking about young women. getting killed on screen how can you think that that's cool right but i'm telling you there is
1: something about it i don't wish that any young yeah no you killed. can make something look cool i mean pulp fiction looks cool but if it's core they are fucking murderous criminals you know (laughs) right i mean yes in this context it is far more brutal like it's a you know a woman alone finally uh and she is you know just being killed for no other reason than she's there right but yeah the scene itself is very cool. And you had even like messaged me earlier. We're like, there's one scene that's awesome. And I got to, there's one scene where they go in like a haunted house and she, and Amy kind of like the, like at the fair where you're just on the track and it's just lights and dumb shit flashing out at you, which is a kind of a trippy scene. And I was like, Oh, this might be the scene he's talking about. And as soon as this scene was going on, I was like, no, this is this this is the best scene in the movie. And it was still a little short, like, yeah. You could have It's okay to draw that part out Because the song is such a jam It's such a fucking jam And yeah he's just slowly walking up to her If she's completely unaware And is completely relaxed What a great juxtaposition of tension if he just walked up to her and just slowly slid that knife into her and she just kind of like comes to and all you get is a wide eye look and it's all silent and all you hear is that song it would have been fucking oh, funny but yeah, was, and they yeah. got halfway there and then went now nah, slit her throat okay
0: we're done yeah. <laughs> it's really <laughs> jarring if you're like me and you listen try to listen to that song on YouTube because that is the only version so you're just getting into the song and then <laughs>
1: this like like screechy sound comes on and there are she- like three points in this movie where whomever wrote that song they wrote two other songs in the movie they sound so out of place but yeah. they as the kids say fucking slap yes. they are so good and just these awesome 70s not quite disco grooves that are just you fucking are good yeah,
0: they're kind of like Dusties. like they're just yes. like, yeah, just like 70s rock ballads,
1: you yeah. know, but they're but they're kind of funky, too. And they're just yeah. in these weird just like here are them jogging and we need something over it. So it's the best music in the movie. Right. But yeah, that's that that really I kind of sat and I, I thought about that for a while. Just the idea
0: of seeing that violence on screen but if it's done right if the scene is crafted right if it's if there is a cool song attached to it or it's just staged in the right way like it's okay to equate that to a level of cool that you would reserve for like i don't know james dean or marlon brando or you know just like iconic cool americana things like there's something about the excitement and the danger because let's face it one one of the most important ingredients of quote-unquote cool is danger um the, if you think about the things that are classically cool in our culture there's usually some attachment to something being dangerous yeah so i don't think it's that you're not like a weirdo to say like man that that cool or that kill that was that scene the way that they put it together was really awesome you're not saying like i think that that murder is cool. <laughs> right. But it's just it is it's fucking badass when they do it right, you know? Yeah. And that scene, you're right, it's so if they would have done it exactly how you described, it would have been one of my probably one of my favorite scenes in any horror movie. Yeah.
1: And then yeah, to decap why decapitate her? He's yeah. done nothing like that. Like that no. just seemed a little excessive. Right. Cause and, she's and, not a head... bride, maybe a bride okay, fine. But and, not even a bride. And maybe if you had a really good decapitated head in your
0: makeup department to use, then okay. But the one that they do use, it just looks like shit. So just don't have that part. Yeah. And then, you know, as by the time you get to that scene, thank God it's in there, but um, pretty soon you have what I think, talk about not getting it right. Um, I love the idea of a final climax of a horror movie being a chase scene in the city morgue. I'm I'm great with that. Yeah. Um I think it's yeah we mentioned that Marvin works at the morgue. Yeah Marvin's boyfriend Yeah. Morgue. And so um, we kind of have now a sort of combination of our different factors. We've got Marvin working at the morgue. We have Amy trying to find him to get help. We have the police kind of closer on the trail of the killer. So they're all kind of converging here at the city morgue at nighttime. And that's great. Like what I just said there sounds perfect, but man, they even fucked that up. Like the, (laughs) the, the chase within the morgue. It's really anticlimactic. And it's got a, like you said, perfect word earlier, awkward. It's got a really awkward feel to it. Yeah. They did not know how to film a well-paced chase scene.
1: I loved how she, her being in the morgue is how she finds out that Joyce is dead. You would think Marvin being the only guy working at the morgue would recognize her and maybe be like, dude, I'm so sorry about Joyce. And she'd be like, what?
0: Yeah, you're right. Like, I, and, and, uh, yeah, it's just goofy. Um, you know, they try to even throw in like a little extra creepiness with some like, tiny little underdeveloped lungs and in a glass jar like there's some medical stuff (laughs) like it's a it's a morgue so we have to have body parts interestingly they're all body parts that fit inside like a normal just like ball jar like a glass jar you know (laughs) um but yeah like (laughs) a poor fucking cop the one that uh whose bride got killed by ray at the very beginning he dies with such little consequence. Oh my like, God. It's just he's made it all the way there. He doesn't even get to say, like, fuck you, you killed my bride, and blah, blah, blah. He yeah. gets no resolution. He's just just killed right
1: there. Because he shoots, he shoots Ray and then yeah. is like yelling at Amy, like, get out of here. Right. Get out. And then yeah, Ray pops up and stabs him from behind. And he because of his magic murder knife dies instantly <laughs> again yeah. ray survives the gunshot but got, thank god he didn't get stabbed or he would have been out
0: and the whole time you're wondering where the hell is marvin like you keep like <laughs> you know that he's it's pretty obvious like it's pretty uh you know uh what i want to say it's predictable Apparently, right yeah. so you're you're waiting for marvin to save the day but it kind of goes on forever and you're like where did that i don't even remember where he went yeah. to
1: start there's with. so much commotion yeah he kind of went to check out a noise in the hall. Cause let me tell you, there is nothing more alarming in this movie than shuffling there. Every (laughs) character is so attuned to tiny sounds, but then when people are fighting and gunshots are going off, they don't recognize that. Cause yeah, yeah, it's not until she's screaming for him. He's like, what I'm done checking. I don't see anything in this room, but it sounds like someone is yelling for me. Right. Right. Yeah. And he's just, yeah, he's so absent that you almost picture him off screen
0: being like, what did I come in here for? Like, what (laughs) what, what am I, what am I doing? He gets (laughs) like, Oh, right, right. Um, But yeah, so that, even that gets goofed up, but you know, here's the thing. I I thought a lot about this movie being a listener request. And the last thing that I would ever want to do is discourage anybody from making a listener request in fear of us, like trashing the movie or whatever. But I will say, uh, and I'm not just sugarcoating this to make uh, our listener feel better. I really there were some I'm really glad that I saw this movie. Here's yeah. the thing. He Knows You're Alone is talked about a lot in horror circles like this is not some obscure movie that nobody's seen. Like it's it, I, I don't know if it's a cornerstone of of the genre, but it's something that most people should be familiar with if you like scary movies. So I'm glad that I saw it.
1: Yeah. Uh, There, I I was just looking at my notes. There is a funny line from the cop, from the detective, because he finds out. Hold on. First, let me back up. I do have a lot of issues with the cop that we didn't (laughs) cover. I'll just go over them briefly. Okay. he's kind of given this free reign over this case, even though when um, uh, uh, Paul Gleason gives him the case, he's because he's hesitant to tell him about it he doesn't want him to jump to conclusions about it being the yeah. same dude right but but then he like completely acts on his own without any kind of uh uh a uh, supervision or uh any kind of procedure right like he gets he gets a, he's like i know who the killer is or where he's gonna be and then and they're like well where and he's like Don't worry. I got him. And then in the meantime, he goes to the house that he knows he's going to and decapitates a woman. If I were his supervisor, I'd be like, listen, this is why we share information because had you (laughs) told us where you thought he was going, maybe I could have got someone there sooner and it would have saved a life. Right. Um, So there's that. Uh, Also, he's like, so when he finds out there's been a murder at Amy's house, He's like, well, is she there? And they're like, no, she went to the morgue. And he's like, where's the morgue? And I just feel like any cop would know where the morgue is. Yes. especially Especially detective. It's right. not like he didn't work in that town. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just amazingly inconsistent. Those are my two huge. But yeah, the one about I'm just not going to tell anyone the information on the case that I'm working on. And he also. Yeah. When he when, when they when they tell him that the um, bridal store owner has been killed. Who's awesome. By the way, uh, that Yeah, guy I really, was I was really awesome. disappointed. That I've he never died. heard a guy talk more honestly about marriage. He was like, uh, are there days I wish I weren't married? Absolutely. Are there days I would trade it away? Never. You know, no, I wouldn't yeah. like it's both the greatest thing. And like the big, my biggest mistake, but you know what, that's what marriage is. And it's about compromise. And then he just fucking for no reason, get stabbed With by this the killer. <laughs> scissors. With a pair of scissors. And no one knows. But so then when when the call comes in uh, and Gleason's like, oh, it's a bridal store owner. And our cop immediately, the detectives immediately like, (laughs) that's our killer. Don't tell anyone to touch anything there. Don't tell. No. no." Like, there was such a stress. Even when he got there, he's like, no one had better have touched anything. And he goes in and there's really nothing he figures out due to no one touching it. He finds a scrap of cloth in the guy's hand that looks like it could have come off of any one of these dresses and he just kind of haphazardly matches it up to one and goes immediately this must be the next victim like he was sending him a fucking clue or something through his death other than maybe he was stabbed and was grasping for something as he fell right (laughs) this is fucking insanity and again it all could have worked with just a couple other correct things but they just go "Eh, sure close enough and that's it yeah and and it just my
0: rant about the cop (laughs) you know just as you're as you're saying all that it just makes me think about you know because halloween is not a complicated movie um how they managed to get so much right in Halloween and, and for these folks to try to emulate it, and they've already got the blueprint and still got it wrong. Um, and I, I don't know if they jam, try to jam too many characters in too much story in. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Cause a lot I, of this
1: seemed easily fixable.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I'm with you. I, I agree with that. Like I, the way that I kind of gave it a metaphor for, in my own mind was that I, I like the ingredients that I've got for the meal that I'm going to cook. They just cooked the wrong meal, yes. you know. They they've yeah. got the. I mean, the cast isn't bad. There's a lot of actually people that went on to be very famous and are very uh, at least successful in, yeah. in, in the industry. And so it's not a bad idea. You got a good cast. Um, I, I I don't know if everybody is perfectly cast, but there's enough here to make a much better movie. And the thing is, you and I say sometimes like in a good way man i don't know how they packed so much into 90 minutes same same sentiment here i don't know how they pack so much into 90 minutes but not in a good way (laughs) you know like there i cannot believe that this out that this movie is a minute less than two hours because it just has these long stretches of not a whole lot happening um but again i i'm not going to completely rain on on this parade i think it's It's kind of harmless. That's the best word that I have for it. It, You're not. It's not going to make
1: or break anything. It's not an awful movie. Scary. So if like someone's like, I don't want to watch a scary movie, you can still watch this movie. Yes. It's yeah. Got
0: probably more in common with a thriller than it does. Yeah. It. It's
1: worth watching just for the people in it, where you're going to be going. Oh,
0: that guy and i will say i am i am glad that that somebody spoke up i am glad that we had a listener that said hey what do you what do you guys think about this one and it doesn't mean that we're going to do everyone that comes across or but i i i like the fact that somebody even cared enough or was interested enough in in this show to to offer that up so i i yeah. would ask people to continue to do that
1: absolutely um okay I think that pretty much covered yeah, this one. Yeah, that's,
0: that's. Uh, you know what? I'm just trying to see if I have any more little uh, bits and pieces here. Um, yeah, that's pretty you much recommend. It. <sighs> <laughs> Let's see. On a day like today, a snow day here in the Midwest, you don't have much else going on. Yeah. Give it a
1: watch. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you're having a bunch of people over and you're like, ooh, what should we watch tonight? And everybody's super excited. Mm, there's there's some other titles along the lines of this movie that I think you'd be better off with before yeah. this one. I agree. But if you're, a, if you're a horror hound, like if you really, really love horror movies and scary movies, and sometimes you just have to cross a couple off the list just to say, hey, I saw it and I can speak intelligently about it. Um, yeah, see it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I give it a soft recommend. Yeah sure okay (laughs) all right well uh tim next week we're gonna bring it home man we're gonna talk chicago uh and we're gonna talk this movie is a lot earlier than i thought it was i thought this was a 90s movie this is from 1988 child's play how this is like four years removed from like some of the movies we've covered i it floors me how long time lasts when you're a child right like yeah because if he's only four years now it goes by in an instant so um yeah and you crazy. know what i, Did I say what of, the title was child's play child's yes play. Child's play. So we're, okay and speaking of staple uh movies
0: that every horror hound should see uh i'll be honest i don't know if i've ever watched child's play in its entirety i i know that i've seen like the beginning of it before i don't i Maybe I did, but I honestly can't remember much of
1: anything from this wow. movie. I've seen this movie maybe 15 times. Wow. I love Child's Play. I love <laughs> Chucky. Uh This might be our, you know, Evil Dead uh, antithesis one where you're like, I just don't get it. <laughs> no, I'm excited to see it. I mean, for God's sake, it's Child's Play. For God's sake, it's, it's Chucky. I got I have to watch is. this movie. Like, I remember just like the anticipation of watching the siskel and ebert review of this movie like <laughs> i could not wait i thought it was the coolest idea which it wasn't even a new idea but to you know 12 year old me i was like whoa what yeah. <laughs> no i can't wait i, I, I am
0: super done. excited and, and it was, was it was filmed in chicago too right it doesn't just yeah there was yeah. it film
1: okay I'm sure, cool. yeah, most of it, at least I'm sure Yeah, uh, the, the apartment definitely looks like it. it was in Chicago Okay, so that was uh, He Knows You're Alone from 1980 Please follow us on Instagram uh, at Slumber Podcast Massacre Our email is slumberpodcast at gmail.com Our Patreon is dot uh, com slash Massacre. Huge thanks to our patrons for helping make this possible uh, Tim, do you have anything else to say about He Knows You're Alone?
0: It's the night again.
1: You're all right
0: again. Oh. You you have to play that song, oh. that. Yeah, just pull it off and and insert it in here somewhere. I gotta hear it. I, okay. It, yeah, I'll definitely try
1: and do that. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Cool. Well, then, uh, excellent. Uh, that song's a jam. Listen to it. All right, Tim. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.